Hi, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of this freaking show. The weekly podcast with a little bit of something and a whole lot of nothing. I'm your host, Travesty, and alongside me this evening, as always, Awkward Colin! And Geek Cast Joe! And this episode of this freaking show is brought to you by Fire Pit Bar and Grill of Pewton, Illinois. If you're looking for a down-home country restaurant where you get a burger and a beer for $6.99 every Monday and Wednesday, come on down to Fire Pit Bar and Grill of Pewton. You can find them on Facebook at Fire Pit Bar or the website, firepitbar.com. Nice. Oh, it was. The burger I was, sounds I, really good right now. Burger does sound good right now. I, uh, I meal prepped uh, some spaghetti today and uh as i was um browning up the uh, ground beef to put in the sauce i'm thinking like i should just made it in the patties and put them on a bun <laughs> but i didn't want to go through the hassle of actually having to form the meat because uh it's easy just to fucking brown it i uh, i get lazy when i cook but uh, i actually went to fire pit yesterday which was uh, a lot of fun um, they have uh, this new wrap, which um, which is interesting. I do recommend trying it. It's called the uh, Appley Chicky Wrap, and basically it's uh, it's white chicken, sautéed apples, and mm. lettuce wrapped up with uh, some uh, raspberry vinaigrette. It's really really good. Raspberry vinaigrette. That yeah. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to go outside my comfort zone on food, and I was like, you know what? The thing that intrigued me the most was the sautéed apples, because like I'm a huge fan of like apple crisp and you know like the fucking um like remember like that shit in uh, school when we were younger, the apple crisp that had like it was just basically apples and oatmeal with like yeah. the cinnamon like yeah 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 absolutely amazing. So I'm like that has to be pretty damn close, and it was. It was very very good. Nice. Yeah. I got the mac and cheese, which uh, was crazy because a lot of people kind of just stared at me because, like, oh, you got the mac and cheese. Because I know I'm not a mac and cheese guy, but apparently the entire bar knew that. So it was like everyone's jaw dropped. <laughs> they fucking brought this mac and cheese. And I was like, calm down, guys. You know, shit. It was weird. That is weird. Yeah. yeah, that last part really didn't happen, but, you know, it could have. Now, uh, I did get the mac and cheese though, and it was actually really good. So, I may get that more times than not now. <laughs> yeah. How have you guys been? How was your weekend? Weekend, week? How, how's the last week since we talked? I guess. Been good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I did my last homework assignment, so for this semester. Yeah, so now you're on summer vacation until you start your summer classes. <laughs> No, I still got my final to take, but oh, all gotcha. homework wise, it's all done. But I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that's, that's good, at least. Joey, you're like what three, four weeks out. Yep, so you're back four, home. Four more Sundays. Four more Car- Sundays. Uh, your stepdad's coming this week, ain't he? Uh, I think so, unless his plans have changed due to unforeseen fire. <laughs> ah, you heard about that, huh? <laughs> I did. That fucking guy. Holy shit. Oh, my God. That fucking woke me up from a nap yesterday. <laughs> what time was that? What time did that happen at? Um, I don't know. I know my... I can't, I can't remember. My mom texted me. All I know is I got, like, a group text. It was, like, me, Nick, 
Sherry and my mom. And I'm like, okay, if my mom's planning to have like some kind of dinner tomorrow, because that's normally what the group texts are about, like I'm really not in the mood to like go over and have dinner and shit. <laughs> but then I opened it up. It was at uh, it was at five thirty. I got the pictures yesterday. So I opened it up, and I see Carl standing over what used to be his motorcycle. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the melted uh, remainder of what is the uh, top of the garage. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was uh, that that was definitely one of those kind of like okay, now I'm up kind of mom- uh, moments. So yep, I can see that. Yeah, but luckily everyone was okay. Uh, everyone was safe. From uh, from my understanding, you know, it was an accident. Uh, Carl was working on his bike. Um, my mom got hold of the insurance. She's following the process of all that. Um, Nick's only response to these pictures were, "I'm not paying for that." So, <laughs> <laughs> which is fucked up because, like, I'm like, "Oh my god, I hope everyone's okay." And then Sherry's like, "OMG, glad everyone is okay. Holy shit!" And Nick's all like. Ha ha ha! I'm not paying for that. That's so, hilarious. But That's yeah, it uh, it just um, it it just stayed in the front part of the garage. So That's good. No, so no damage to the house or anything. It was like the ga- a gas leak, right? Uh, yeah, it had to do some with the gas uh, from the bike and the heater from uh, the or the the flame from the heater that was near it and some shit. It was. Yeah, he was working on the fuel lines. Oh god! Well, it is really good that they're all right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right before the big storm came, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a couple hours before it was actually started raining downpouring and shit. Yeah. So if uh, if Carl waited like two, three more hours, he probably wouldn't even had to have called the fire department. God will put it out himself. <laughs> but yeah, well. <laughs> right. Yep. So that's a uh, that was uh that was their fun weekend and shit, which is weird because I was telling um I forgot who I was telling. I was telling somebody earlier. Like I had a dream a few weeks back that their house caught on fire and they ended up living with me. So when I saw those pictures, I was all like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Right. I'm gonna lose my office and my guest room and everything else but no no luckily everyone's okay everyone's safe all all this got messed up was uh the garage door the motorcycle and the the soffit right above it so everyone's good everyone's safe except for carl's bike r.i.p motorcycle i saw it sitting out front this today did you holy shit (laughs) i I've seen the pictures, so I I really don't know what it looks like in person. Yeah, I, I mean, I just drove by. I don't really didn't see up close. So, mm. well, your mom was always telling him to get rid of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I I was asking mom and shit like that because I mean his bike is an old seven, you know, it's ten years old. So I asked him like, do you have any idea how much he's gonna get back for that? And uh, she don't know, but she know it ain't gonna be much. Probably yeah, more now. A, yeah, I don't think they. Um, I don't think he wants to go back to getting a payment and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's gonna look again a new bike or uh, nothing right now. Who knows? Yep. Yeah, I think he should hold off and try and repair the house first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That was <laughs> it was funny because a couple weeks yeah, a couple weeks ago my mom was even telling me how like how she's close to even paying off the siding and shit like that. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, she's like, oh, we got so and so months left, and the siding will be paid off, and all this shit, and all that that, that happens. No, yeah, it's goofy, goofy situations, but it's uh, it's one of those things where it's not as bad as it could have been. So, oh yeah, that's right. a bonus, right? Right. So, absolutely. Fuck yeah. Ooh. Okay. So. Anything else anyone want to talk about before we move into our main topic for the evening? No. Good. If we're ready. I like how enthused you are for not talking about anything we want, any, anything in our lives anymore. Like, no. Fucker. <laughs> well, I mean, we have something uh, to in place. The quicker we, we move to the guest, the quicker I get to go to bed tonight. <laughs> oh, joy. An hour is an hour, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, there's a 50-50 shot that he might not even be able to make it on again And we'll just have to talk about ourselves No, yeah, that'd be fine Yeah <laughs> That'd be cool Alright, um, so yeah, let's get our guests on and everything And while we're doing that, let's uh, let's promote a podcast Looking for a podcast to listen to? Look up Geek Dick Pod They've got comics, movies, music, video games, tech or whatever your geeky little heart desires. Look them up at geekdigpod.com, on Instagram or Twitter at geekdigpod, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, The Satchel Player, or Player FM. The Geek Dig Podcast is part of the Tangent Bound, BS Podcast Network, and the We Be Geeks Network. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, so we are back, and we are here with the author historian, overall badass, Jay Sandlin. Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you. I'm so glad uh, that we got together, and uh, the timing's perfect. My book's been out for uh, about two weeks now, so it's uh, perfect timing. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. You want to kind of give a brief, um, I guess, it's not a synopsis. Yeah, an overview. Yeah, I can do that. Um, Well, well, I'm an author uh, of alternate history with superheroes. Um, I decided to combine history and superheroes at one point uh, because those are my two favorite things. And as the process went on over the past year now, um, I've started a company called The Novel Comics and written about a thousand pages of notes for this uh, shared universe of alternate history where at some point there was an event, uh, early 20th century, 19. 18 or so, the world became aware of a group of people called the Outbreak Babies. You know, in our world, we had the baby boom in the early 20th century. This world had the Outbreak Baby Boom, which is when a small percentage of the population experienced superpowers. And that changes the timeline. Fantastic. Compared to ours, of course. Uh, So it's it's alternate universe, alternate type history – and uh, the superheroes are my characters, the Outbreak Babies. Uh, it's about their adventures. Um, we just released the first one from the novel comics. It'll be what I kind of call the main series or the volume series, kind of like if you're going by the Star Wars trilogy titles. But then I can always slip in like a Star Wars story and stories that take place in the same timeline. So it's really flexible, and I'm, I'm excited about that flexibility to write stories. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have it like DC and Marvel, a shared universe of characters in a, the same timeline, living the same events. Um, this book is Outbreak Mutiny. That's available now on Amazon. You can check it out for 99 cents uh, in the ebook form, or you can check it out uh, in paperback, which is uh, 11.99. And I'm thrilled with how the paperback turned out. Um, I had a great design team. <laughs> I got to give a shout out to them. It's JD and J Designs. Find them on Twitter or JD and J Designs.com. Uh, they did a, the whole cover. Have you guys seen the cover? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, was kind of curious, like, when I was looking at it, like, is the, the dude in the back, is he getting ready to box I the robot? I get all these questions about the dude in the back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the boxer, yes, uh, that is Atlas, and uh, he is the American juggernaut, the people's champion, the blue-collar brawler. Uh, he is not getting ready to box the robot. Was that your question? Yeah. I was like, I looked no. at him like, it looks like he wants to kick the shit out of the robot. But oh, like, he does because me- the robot drives him crazy. Uh, the <laughs> robot's really annoying. Like you know how all the classic superheroes that you would get on Hanna Barbera, like the old school Super Friends and Batman yeah, and Robin, yeah, yeah. they all learn from this guy. Uh, his okay. name is Clockwork, and he's not a robot. He's a man powering like a steampunk power armor that he built. He's an engineer. Um, it's really just a character cover. It's not really meant to be a scene. It's just supposed to show the characters or four of them that I selected from one particular uh, chapter. I call my chapters issues. So it's like a guy's installments that form one story, but it's in a novel form. Gotcha. But yeah, uh, Clockwork is one of my favorites. He's there in the back. He's you know he was built from an old uh, industrial boiler. Uh, they probably found it in a junkyard somewhere, and they put twelve uh, pounder naval cannons on each of his arms. Uh, he's got rocket boots in his feet and smokestacks on his shoulders that pump out like a factory. Because you know it takes place that scene in 1937. We didn't exactly have clean air emissions for power armors. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. Um... Like he is, he is polluting an awfully lot there. Yeah, steampunk man. He was. Uh, he's based on a group called the Armors Guild. He's actually uh, the founder, or the pilot is the founder. The pilot's uh, Mister Cognition, the CEO of CogCorp, which is kind of like a John D. Rockefeller or William Carnegie of his day. He was a captain of industry, and saw the outbreak babies, uh, the people with superpowers emerging. Some of them good, and some of them evil. And he wanted to do his part to protect um, the country. He wanted to build um, protection through ingenuity rather than superpowers, kind of a way of keeping up with the outbreak babies and their abilities. That's yeah. amazing. So it's yeah. kind of like, uh, like a good version of Syndrome from The Incredibles. Oh, man, I love The Incredibles. Yes. Um, maybe if Syndrome had had a better role model than Mr. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he. <laughs> and it's, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, he has all these little syndromes beneath him <laughs> that make their own armors and they're inspired and they form the Armors Guild. And, you know, they get together and have scotch and soda nights during the good days. That's <laughs> uh, The good days are known as the Soarin' Twenties rather than the Roarin'. We have the Soarin' because, oh, you know, nice heroes fly right. and all that. Yeah. yeah, so that's when the book begins, uh, Outbreak Mutiny, Issue Zero, 
which is kind of the prologue chapter, starts with the fall of America and the end of the Soaring Twenties in 1929, when the worst of the outbreak babies, um, the Reich, R-E-I-C-H, the reunified Germany, show up and attack Boston, Pearl Harbor, and uh, Moscow, Russia, all on the same day. And that's the end of the enemies of the Reich. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. So in, in this alternate history, does uh, World War I basically never happen? Or... Well, it did. Uh, that I would say that the uh, timelines don't diverge a lot until we get to this date I gave, December 31st, 1929, and Operation Triple Reich. Gotcha. Um, if you know, before it was called World War One, it was called the Great War. Right. Then we had World War Two, and it, that was kind of retroactively named World War One. So in my series, there was no World War Two. And World War One is still referred to as the Great War. And then after that, there was the first outbreak war instead of World War Two, And that was the first world war fought with superpowers and the Reich basically steamrolling Europe, steamrolling Russia, Asia, and then taking the American continent um, in issue zero. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's uh, – the, the United States is dissolved, it's downsized, they have the Articles of Isolation forced on them, and they're turned into the remnant states. Uh, on one side, they're surrounded by these misshapen monsters that are you know failed experiments and have overrun the West. And then they're also surrounded by uh, new Reich mania in the Northeast, which is the seat of the colonies for the Reich in the American lands. So it's not looking good when you start out in issue one. Um, not looking good for our heroes left in the remnant, I'm afraid. Huh. That's the guy you have on the front there, the uh, the buccaneer, kind of the pirate-looking guy. He uh, lives in the remnant, uh, was a sailor on a ship, a uh, Reich slave ship, in fact. They keep slaves. Uh, it's a slave empire because the idea of this uh, story, a big idea, is what would we do with people in our world if – they did have superpowers. Um, I feel like they'd be used as resources. Nice. So that's why – that. yeah, not nice, but that's why the slave <laughs> trade is so prevalent in the series, or they call it the flesh stock trade. Oh, Don't worry. There's a glossary so, in the book. Glossary <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, in the book for all these terms. So that, that <laughs> yeah. sounds what? like a really interesting reversal. Uh, instead of, of superheroes kind of rising to the top, they're forced into the the bottom rungs of society. Well, it de it depends. Yes, it depends on the society, which is exactly what the Reich is. Uh, the Reich is a slave based case system empire, and at the top of it, you have the worst of all the Reich, um, or, or worst of all the outbreak babies, which is the Reich's Mensch. Right. Uh, all you know about him is that he hunts his own kind and uses their powers. Uh, below him, you have the warlords who are assigned to uh, govern territory that's acquired in conquest. Uh, below the warlords, warlords, you have the acolytes who are seeking to be promoted to the status of warlord. And then below that, you have the Reich Legion. So it's a caste system. You can barely, rarely move up, and you're essentially treated as being expendable. Gotcha. Yeah, you're right. It stinks. Uh, the Remnant is kind of the last hope for freedom and respect. It's still debated in the Remnant if they shouldn't just you know, turn over all their outbreak babies at one point when things get hard. 
I actually just uh, got your book. Um, I'm looking at it right now. And it says the Reich Mensch in the glossary you were talking about or the description of them. It says, undisputed Reich ruler, his true origins, however. <laughs> and then there's just a black line. Yep, it has been redacted. Okay. <laughs> That's classified information, which you'll also find some more of that redacted information in the back uh, for the outbreak glossary of terms. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I did that to be a bit of an ass. I don't know. I was I was not going to give away a spoiler in the character <laughs> description. Okay. So I just have to say, keep reading and you'll find out. Um, <laughs> yeah, the and there's actually an in-story reason as to who redacted that information. Okay. You got to read to the last issue of this book to find out, though. Oh, <laughs> Lost will. Cities and Shapes issue. It's called the Aftermath issue. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I, uh, speaking of issues, so, I got to give another shout out uh, real quick to GV Art. Uh, check them out at GV Art on Twitter. They did all the interior artwork for the book and did a great job too, including the maps in the beginning. Yeah. So, so I'm looking at this, and uh, so this book uh, you said has seven issues to it. Correct, and so this guess, uh, and this is a release. Yes. Okay, how long did it take you to come up with the stories of this, and where did your stories say kind of come from? Like, like because I'm reading like some of the descriptions of uh, of your guys here, and I don't want to assume you're twisted. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, I was but, uh, doing a lot of Adderall when I came up with some of those. So. <laughs> you really are a grad student. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and a dad, and a dad. So, oh, all right, this started back in June of last year in a very serene environment. I was on the beach, and I read. Uh, I love to go to the beach and just read. Like I could mm-hmm. just read a whole week and never get in the pool, never get in the ocean. Um, now that I've got a three-year-old, it's kind of hard to sit and read. So I managed to read some books at the beach last year, and some of them were superhero novels. Um, I would recommend these. There's the X series by Peter Kleins. There is the Confessions of a D-List Supervillain by Jim Burkhauer, Bernhauer. Don't want to do him a disservice, but I'll come back to that. Anyways, I'm reading these books about superheroes, and then I'm working on grad school uh, simultaneously. Yeah, at the same time with a class on the Cold War. That's Jim Bernheimer, by the way. Sorry, Jim. (laughs) And uh, I was doing this class on the Cold War, which was basically a class on the 20th century. And I thought about what if being a superhero was just a job in the 20th century? So I started a story set in 2016, and I wrote about 20,000 words, and a good portion of it was backstory as to how the world became that way. Well, then I realized the backstory was a whole lot more interesting than what I was writing at the time. So (laughs) I developed the backstory into uh, another story called History of Heroes, and it was meant to be a history-type novel that just happened to have superheroes in it. Mm Mm-hmm. I wrote about 100,000 words on it over the next four to six months and scrapped every word by (laughs) the end of December. Um, Yeah, well, this is when a writer needs to really uh, be honest with themselves about who they are, uh, what they've written, and listen to the people around them, people that they know will give them honest opinions. I had a group of beta readers – 
mm-hmm. who read it and gave me their feedback, and it was very critical but very constructive because they told me what worked and, most importantly, what didn't work. And what didn't work was my tendency to be tedious, to be long-winded. I'm sure you haven't heard that at all tonight. <laughs> Just I, I was getting into tedious facts for the cost of characters. And that was when I made a change. I decided it wasn't going to be just a history. It was going to be straight up alternate history. And I made a new timeline where America had fallen, like I described. Uh, The right had already won, so it was dystopic. Uh, Before, I was just doing the basic World War II and the Third Reich and just throwing in superhero characters. So once I came up with that and a lot of it just revealed itself to me, um, I really feel like as a writer, you don't make up the story. The story is discovered by you through the process. Um, I don't mean to sound new agey about that. Oh, no, that. I it's... totally agree with you. <laughs> Good, thank you. <laughs> it, I, so I'm, I, I thought of it, um, and then I also killed the main character. Um, I even put all his drafts in a file. The main character was named Ryan at one point. Mm-hmm. And I, I labeled this file Ryan Breakup File. Oh. Uh, I kind of felt like, um, you know, what's her name, Marissa Cooper on the OC when I did that. But, um, <laughs> I, I had to kill. I had to kill my main character. I had to kill a hundred thousand words, and then I took the best of what worked there and came up with this. Um, and I've been working on it up since probably first of March, and it's been at the copy editor since then, and just uh, got published about two weeks ago. Yeah, it it's just like it's it's weird kind of because like when you read when when you sit here and you read through your list of characters and like the description, the background of them, I mean it it's very original, which is very awesome. I mean, especially if you only spent like maybe the last year creating all this, it's very impressive because I mean like I can't sit here and think of like a concept I want to do for like a show like next week, which is probably the simplest thing to ever do, but you can say and you create crap, what's the word? Universe? Universe. Yeah, with like uh, with, uh, with original I, characters and everything. Well, I, I'm glad you said original because everything came from somewhere in some form. And a writer should not be afraid. This is I'm gonna word this carefully. Don't be afraid to steal f- from the best. Because eventually what you stole, I, I guess there's almost like squatter's rights. It becomes your own property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the sense that it evolves. You can take the same basic idea that someone has, put it in a different environment, which is your story. And just like in natural selection in an environment, evolution takes its place with your character or story element. Um, like there's one character when you mentioned Twisted, my mind immediately went to Hordling. Did you uh, read his description by chance? Uh, I did not read. Take that a look at him. take a look at Hordling if you want some twisted real quick. I'll, I'll let you read that out loud. <laughs> a hive mind entity made up of rodents. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, there's yes. that. He was also taught to kind of speak like a pirate, uh, just you know, so he could be given human characteristics. But thousands of rats converge and form into this like six or seven foot, um, you know, shape that is vaguely humanoid, and it speaks through the thousands of rat vocal cords, and and that's Hordling. He he's one of the villains that hangs out with the Reich, and he. Um, you know, that's one that people told me was original and embodied their worst nightmares because he pulls people inside himself. Uh, you know, 
dives on them, that sort of thing. And I just was like, I was just kind of thinking of a really twisted Pied Piper, you know, of Pocono. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and there's also, I think the Flash has kind of a rat summoning villain or maybe it's Cyborg. But, uh, it, you know, so it's you can take any basic idea and then once you put it in that new environment, you don't have to try to make it different. The story will make it different all on its own. Absolutely. Well, the, uh, <laughs> the characters that I'm kind of drawn to as of right now being – being from Illinois is the Chi-Town 4. Chi-Town 4. Oh, yes. Well, a big portion of the book uh, takes place in Chicago. That would be issue number uh, three or four. I don't have it in front of me. Sewer Storm. Um, so are you from Chicago or are you from Illinois? or uh, South Suburb of Chicago, yeah. I've, I've lived here my whole life. Colin's been here his whole life. Uh, Joey's been part of for like half his. Yep. Well, you know the, about the... Uh, the, uh, this works into the timeline, and you can probably uh, tell us a bit about this too, being a native. In the history of Chicago, it's a town built on the marshes, correct? Mm-hmm. And it has been raised, like actually joisted up with braces and supports. Um, in the early 20th century, there was a whole project to basically raise Chicago several feet off the ground. Um, you know about that? I Vaguely, I, I, yeah. I've I've heard about it. Um, I know someone's mentioned it. It might have actually been Joey who kind of mentioned it to me. Um, never really heard much about it. I know a lot about uh, Chicago sucking. It's a horrible <laughs> city. Oh, uh, well, it sucks my... much worse in my timeline. It's uh, if you look in the map section, you'll see it's in what's called the buffer zone, which is basically a demilitarized zone to keep Reich territory from the remnant territory. And when this uh, first issue opens, a major virus called the Thirst Virus has broken out in the Chicago buffer zone. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely the worst of times for Chicago. And they, just like in our timeline, had their city joisted up, which resulted in a huge sewer system. uh, Chicago has one of the most advanced, spacious, and largest sewer systems uh, on the planet even still today, just because of the population and their needs for water and all that. Uh, I learned way too much about the Chicago sewer system running, uh, writing that chapter <laughs> um, because it takes place where the Chi-Town Four have abandoned their oaths to uphold the laws of the buffer zone, and they're just going to be straight-up superheroes and use their powers without permission to seek out the source of this thirst virus. That's what they go down there to find. Um, but yeah, I love the Chi-Town Four. They're he- heroes put into a bad situation. Uh, it's almost like being told you have to be border security. <laughs> or TSA, maybe. Super, if the Justice League had to be TSA, that would be what happens to the Chi-Town 4. <laughs> That's perfect. But Did you I, read I, some of the members of it? Yeah. Um, I... I like I like the name Alcatraz, like just Alcatraz, yeah. Right, right off, like I'm, because I I like the I like the jail itself. I like the stories that the jail, like out, you know. So well, that's Alcatraz. where he was born. Yeah, he was born in the Alcatraz jail. Um, see, the, there's a real life story of a prisoner in Alcatraz. This is where I went into the alternate history, and this is mm-hmm. left over from that first draft where I wanted everything to be historically accurate to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um. But there was a guy named Machine Gun Kelly who was a pri- who was a gangster in Chicago in the early 20th century. Real-life guy. He was taken to Alcatraz, and at some point he was executed. In my timeline, his powers manifested when he was executed because uh, in 
in my world, you have to endure a terrible trauma or near-death experience to gain your superpowers if you have them. Uh, and it turned out he did. He was a person with latent superpowers. He merged with the stone walls and floor of the Alcatraz building and became a stone golem, which they then called Alcatraz because the the police guards shouted, Alcatraz is coming because they thought the uh, jail was attacking them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's kind of like the thing, but a little more mindless. That doesn't actually happen in the book. I'm, I mention it, but I'm going to use it in a prequel story at some point. God, that sounds badass, man. <laughs> Alcatraz is badass. However, he um, like a like the Jewish golem. Uh, there's a legend in like the Talmans and the other Jewish writings that, in, in an episode of The Simpsons as well, Treehouse of Horror, uh, if you put a scroll in the body of a stone statue, it comes to life and follows your orders. And I always liked that idea from mythology. I love myths of all cultures, so. I took it and gave it to this Alcatraz character. Um, he has no free will of his own, but he listens to the priest that gave him his last rites at his execution, which is an old man called the Padre. So they become a superhero team, and he gives him orders from you know his shoulder or inside his stone chest or somewhere safe. <laughs> That's very cool, man. I like um so. So you got okay. So for the shy four, you have Copper, Alcatraz, Steel, Samaritan, and Nightingale. Correct. And Nightingale is actually married to Copper. Nightingale and Copper are the perfect duo in and off the streets because uh, she was originally a nurse, uh, you know, in the ER in Chicago, trauma nurse, mm -hmm. who, when she gained her superpowers, uh, learned that she could heal people through tactile touch so if you touch someone she can heal them to a certain point um copper just can't die <laughs> he, he doesn't have super strength he can't uh he doesn't have flight you know in, in or anything traditionally associated with superpowers he's just kind of like duncan or connor mcleod and he can't die through traditional means he recovers but he still recovers at the same rate as a normal person or humdrums, as we call them in my book, people without superpowers. So he has a really hard time. He takes lots of ass kickings and bullets and shooting, and he'll be in traction for weeks or months. Uh, at one point, the book says that he had his last rites read no more than no, no less than six times. So he'll just pop up out of a coffin later. Anyway, oh, when they get <laughs> when they're the perfect, so yeah, that's why they're the perfect couple because she can heal him from basically any state, and he'll come back in just a few moments. So yeah, they're kind of – Copper's the leader. He's been leading the group for decades. Uh, his dad was a cop. He was a cop, and he uh, swings a mighty shillelagh, uh, which is an <laughs> Irish – it's an Irish uh, you know, hardened wood stick. Um, yeah. I took that from pro wrestling, the character Finley. I don't know if you guys uh, remember him or not. Oh, I love Fit Finley. Dave Finley. Oh, man, legitimate, legitimate badass. He he was he was one of my favorite wrestlers from WCW era, even though they yes. didn't give him much to do. But still, I mean, because he I mean he was one of those guys that would literally go out there and like kick the shit out of you. For WCW, it, he was best known for his bad mullet and the junkyard fight with Regal. I believe it was. <laughs> Wasn't it Regal? Uh Steve Regal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was Steven Regal on the show at the time, and then he goes to WWF, and they say you can't be Steve, and he had to be William. But yes, he was Steve Regal. Mm -hmm. I think one of them got legitimately cut and had to get a tetanus shot after that match. 
I think I think it was uh, I think it was Regal. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Re- Regal always had bad luck. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, if I remember correctly, I mean, William Regal was like one. He was like one of the like originators of like strong style wrestling back then. Well, he was from that school of British catches catch can. Mm-hmm. Um, he was straight up in the carnivals uh, during their dying days in the late eighties and nineties. Um, he always said if he hadn't come to America to adapt to our style, he would have had to have gotten a proper job, and he dreaded that possibility. But I, I love Regal. I always wanted him to be a world champion. I, I think I think he probably deserved it too. And what was weird is like I I remember like uh. WCW having a huge problem with him when he didn't uh, go through a squash match with Goldberg. Like he actually like I have um, I've talked to Goldberg about that on Twitter before. (laughs) Really? This was years back. This was before Goldberg's return. But I I like talking to various people on Twitter and sometimes you get a response. Mm -hmm. But um, I I showed like a still from that match and I I don't remember what I said to him. I said something like any comment. (laughs) And uh, he said, just, he said, I would have been, um, no, he said, I wish I could do that match again. I would be less generous today. So (laughs) that indicated to me that he feels like Regal tried to take some liberties with him, went off script. Regal, on the other hand, blames Goldberg in his book and says, Bill just completely froze up and even apologized to me for it later. So I don't know, but they fired him for that. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, like, and from what I heard, like, you know, it was one of the things like he was supposed to go have a squash match, and he felt offended by it. Which I mean, I, I don't blame him. You know, it's like, I, and I you know what, that match is probably one of the best Goldberg matches in WCW's run. Uh, not that that's saying much. He had the same match yeah. every time, but that was actually a good match. <laughs> yeah, do you ever? It was uh, like Goldberg had to try a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever have to look at? And I don't want to. I don't want to get too far away from your book. Go wherever you want to go. No, go wherever you want to go. <laughs> like, did you ever like stop and think about like his actual like record? Oh, it was completely fabricated. Yes, they are pretty open about that because someone said the way that the numbers grew, he would have had to have been wrestling like three house shows a day or something between mm-hmm. nitros. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, uh, I can't remember what, the hell, what, it, what it come up to. Uh, oh, I have no idea. 300-something? No, it wasn't that, wasn't that high. I, I thought it was. Up. It's, it's it was probably like, not. I thought it was, like, 173 or something like that. Uh, Goldberg record. All right. Oh, wait, at Starcade, Goldberg's undefeated streak ended at an official count of 173-0. and 0. Okay. Yeah. But and there were wasn't, like six people that ever beat him, I think. Yeah, well, but that's the thing that was weird. Like, in order for it to be 173, he had to have wrestled for almost like two and a half years. But that one record has was was in the span of like nine months. Yeah, I, I think they boosted it early, and then they started counting it when people were actually paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, they also admit that they piped in his uh, chants through the crowd in the early days, but later didn't have to. I don't know if maybe that's just more common than we think, though. I can believe it. I can believe it. You know, you know who the first uh, guy he beat to start that uh, record was? Oh, hang on. I think I do. Hang on. Goldberg debuted, and Mean Gene tried to talk to uh, Hugh Morris. Yep. 
I love Morris. Hugh Morris. Well, I, I guess I should say I loved Hugh Morris. I don't know about all his scandals, but I always thought he was an entertaining mid Carter. Yeah, I love I love Hugh Morris. I love his general salt was impressive. Oh yeah, for a big guy, him oh, yeah. Bam Bam Bigelow, Vader. Uh, I mean, you know, Hugh was much more agile than Bam Bam, but definitely oh, got less sure. acclaim. Yeah, I mean, Bill Demott. I'm not a huge fan of Bill Demott, but when you go, when you look at Hugh Morris, when you look at when he did the Misfits in action as General Rection. Yeah, that um, was a that was a good. Um, well, Booker T didn't belong in it. Um, no. Ironically, Booker T had played the GI Bro character in All American Wrestling uh, before he became Booker T in WCW. See, I did not know that. Yeah, GI Bro. He was going. He he had a job, like a day job, when um you know he he was arrested for robbing Burger Kings at one point, and um, <laughs> got out of jail and got a job working at a storage unit, uh, like at the front desk. And he was cleaning one out one day, and he found a camouflage cap and thought it looked good, so he wore it. And then he was going to wrestling school at night with his brother Stevie Ray. And the uh, wrestling teacher, who was also the local promoter, saw him and said, you're wearing that. In fact, that's going to be your name, G.I. Bro. And that's where his uh, stardom was born on the independent scene. Awesome. I, I, yeah, I didn't. That's when he started using the that, spinner. I do agree with you. God. <laughs> that was the coolest fucking thing I have ever saw when I was a kid. I would do the Spinner Rooney all the time playing WCW NWO Revenge. Uh, that was uh, one of my favorites. Uh, what do you, a taunt, I guess you'd say? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, other wrestlers, you, you hit taunt, and if they don't have any personality, if you're just playing as like Ultimo Dragon or something, he's just going to put his hands in the air. But you played as Booker T, and then you turn into MC Hammer or something. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that game. Oh, I I played it. I played a very. I played that one and No Mercy a little bit because my friend was the one that owned it. I I more stuck to like SmackDown. Um, Back in the day, like. it was like church. You know, if, were you a fan mm-hmm. of WCW NWO Revenge or no, WWF No Mercy for the N64? And how you answered yeah. determined if you could be your friend later or not. Uh, but mm-hmm. Luckily, my best friend and next door neighbor had revenge, so we got along fine. <laughs> Yeah, see, like, all my wrestling friends, like, they're all, like, WWF fans. Like, I was, like, one of the only people that really watched ACW. Right. Well, I live in the uh, South, um, and the TBS Superstation is huge in the South. Even when we didn't have many channels, we would get TBS. And it started with me. I watched this ad in 1994-95 for Sting, and he was sporting the green paint and the white flat top. Surfer Sting. Surfer Sting, yeah. Surfer Sting, yeah. And he did this little promo, um, you know, saying that his co-workers were 300-pound men that wanted to pound him into the ground. And he says, just another day at the office. And it shows Sting wearing a suit with a nameplate sitting at a desk. And that made me love wrestling forever. It, it I don't know what it was about that, but just seeing the Stinger, it captured my imagination. <laughs> yeah. I, I love I that. I wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a sh- I mean it's a shame that he couldn't uh, actually have his WrestleMania moment with the Undertaker and how he had to get injured. And you know, shit. I was I was talking to uh, a friend of mine about this like this weekend. Uh, he went to NXT last night in Memphis, 
And I actually went to a local wrestling show last night. You can uh, see the pictures on my Twitter. It's at jsandlinwriter. Shameless mm-hmm. plug there. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, we, we were discussing Sting and The Undertaker and why it wouldn't have happened instead of Sting and Triple H. Because they had all the ingredients to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, no one ever seems to talk about this, but both men were on the same card. Uh, Taker had Wyatt and Sting had Triple H. They had the time to build it because Sting showed up at Survivor Series 2014. They had the players to build it because Undertaker didn't even really promote his match with Wyatt, so he could have done just as the same thing with Sting. And they still went for Sting and Triple H, and I I just I don't know why. Yeah, I I was wondering that too. I mean, like, and the goofy thing was like the only logical sense it made. Was like the whole uh, Sting being what Sting is WCW. It was WCW versus WWF. Yeah. Yes, that's what yeah. the match turned into. But it turned it. I mean, it's it's ten years too late. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of cool, but it got a little nostalgia pop. I, I liked how the um, announcers just acted like it was a normal thing for DX to run out as a group. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh, here comes DX. <laughs> Yeah, well, see, and that's, and that was a goofy thing too, you know. Like you, you had DX come out, you had NWO come out, but when you sit there and think about it, in reality, fucking X Pac was in both. He was, yeah. He doesn't and like he, to talk about that. And he, if you re- if you really want to go into a little bit deeper and be technical about it, so was Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he he when he made his debut yeah. in two thousand two, but that was NWO WWE, and nobody counts that. <laughs> yeah, but but it's goofy because like you know you sit there and like and. So, okay, so I'm I'm creating a second podcast, a wrestling podcast. I think I mentioned it to you a little bit. Cool. And uh, the whole point of the podcast I'm creating is to live in the world where KFAB exists. Okay. So, from that perspective, it's kind of weird to watch WrestleMania. Like, it's it's awesome for me because I could watch WrestleMania and be like, "Holy shit! Here's Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, here's Scott Hall. They're coming out to help Sting. Where here's Triple H." And then you got the Road Dogs and X-Pac coming out to help them and Shawn Michaels and all that. But through the eyes of people who want to watch wrestling as this nothing's real, it's all fake, it's all storyline, blah, blah, they look at it as Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Triple H, Shawn Michaels as a clique. They're really all friends. You know, so See, I, I don't think that X-Pac as six was terribly memorable in the WCW NWO Um he didn't. He didn't stay around that long. He wasn't there for the beginning, and he wasn't there for the high notes, which it got to its highest note at Starcade '97, and that was when he had long been gone. So they could kind of get away with that. That didn't bother me so much as how they just acted like it was a normal thing. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I could think that they wouldn't put Sting and Taker together that year is because they thought they could do it later. And obviously, that was not the case, as they should have known. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. It's um, I'm I'm hope I'm hoping that was the reason. Like you know, they're thinking like maybe we'll do it for next year. Uh, you know, let's go through this whole like authority uh, storyline shit. Yeah, I I have no idea on that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just Sting it's, had to go and retire after uh, facing Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins felt so bad because he dressed up like Sting for Halloween. Hey, you know what, Seth? So did I. I also dressed up like Sting for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! 
It was yeah. such a great costume because you could be the crow or you could be Sting, but if you were Sting, you got to carry around a baseball bat. If you want to have the epic Sting costume, you should do half and half. Oh, uh, the like the red paint and the white paint? Oh, God, fuck that. No. Wolfpack Sting sucked. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think which half of no, Sting. No, like, uh, like, like right side surfer Sting, left side uh, crow oh, Sting. Oh, right now, like full on, you know, long yeah. haircut on one mm-hmm. side. That would take some planning, but that would be yep. an amazing cosplay. It, I think you would deserve would. props for that wherever you go. Uh, you guys ever go to any kind of comic cons or anything? We, uh, well, uh, Colin and I, we went to C2E2 last year. We didn't make it this year. And then oh, I bet that was great. It, it was a lot of fun. It was my very first comic book convention I've ever been to. Well, um, I'll be, um, when, when this airs, I will be, uh, getting ready to start the, uh, blog book tour and I'll be blogging, um, interviews with a lot of, uh, folks about outbreak Munich. Yeah, I can't talk. Outbreak mutiny. <laughs> I'll be blogging about that with a lot of groups that are connected to the cons. So, um, I don't know. Are you got? Where are you guys located? You said you were in Chicago. Yeah, south suburbs of Chicago. I'm like forty minutes uh, south of the city. Maybe I'll end up there with it. Um, I'll be at the Geek Gathering, uh, which is kind of the, the this North Alabama sh- con- uh, convention uh, every September that we have. I got to go to the very first one, and I'll be, you know, at this one. It's grown by about two thousand people every year uh, with celebrities, and it's been a great uh, thing for the area. So, uh, check them out if you get a chance. Geek Gathering on Facebook. Um, some friends of mine there for sure. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, well, be, before we say our goodbyes, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, oh yeah. I'm sorry for yeah. talking your ear off. No, no, <laughs> no, that's no, fine. no, no, it's no, it's not a big deal. It's it's more or less it's uh, the the editor of the show bitches when we go over an hour. Plus, I've been noticing that uh, there's been a really bad storm coming out, and the last thing I want to do is the power to go out uh, before we finish talking. We had a tornado watch over here tonight, but nothing happened. You know, I'm in Alabama. Yeah. So. Oh. You know, we we shut down the government if there's rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, like, especially over by me, I'm not sure how it is over by Calm, but, like, any kind of bad weather, my, my lights and power will flicker. Cool. Uh, cool. So the last thing I want to do is to get this. Well, you you want me to throw out, um, I, I can, you want to ask me any more questions? You want me to throw out a plug or um, whatever well, what, you want what, Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate everything we talked about. Uh, I'm really excited for your book. I definitely want you to, uh, you know, kind of, you know, plug where everyone can find, you know, the book about you on social media, anyone, you know, you would feel they want to follow. Um, so if you want to take care of that right now, and then we're going to go into uh, a little segment that like, I call Freaking Curious, where I'm just going to ask you five random questions just about your life. Oh, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that first. All right, perfect. <laughs> cool. So, uh, it's just basically five questions, and now that I know a little bit more about you, I kind of have an idea what I want to go with. So the first question is, obviously, as a wrestling fan, who is your all-time favorite wrestler? Oh, boy, uh, your editor's about to get really mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, let, let's say, I'm going to stick with Sting. He was the all-time favorite, number one Sting. Um, historical contributions, I'm going to go with Ric Flair. Uh, skill in the ring, I'm going to go with Shawn Michaels. And uh, best overall, uh, probably the god of wrestling would be The Undertaker. How's that? I like that. I, I, I agree with a lot of those. It's my Rushmore. There's my Rushmore of wrestling. That's your Rushmore? 
Oh, shit. You know, I don't think I ever built a Rushmore. As much as a wrestling fan I am, I think if I had to, it'd be, like, really generic. Like, I'd have to include Steve Austin on it just because yeah, I love that badass. Yeah, there's yeah. an argument for that for sure. Tweet yeah. tweet me Rushmore when you come up with it, and we'll share that around. Oh, I will. I will. And it's probably going to... It's probably going to include one guy you mentioned and then three people that I feel it is. So I'm definitely going to tweet you that. Um, second question I got for you. Um, who is your all-time favorite superhero created by DC, created by Marvel, not created by yourself? So all-time favorite superhero outside of who you created. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is tough. All right. With DC, I'm going to go with Batman. Uh, Batman, because he is the every man that uses his guts, determination, and smarts to overcome any challenge. Marvel, mm-hmm. it's got to be Spider-Man, because that's when I started. I picked up the Clone Saga in the 90s with the Spider-Man comics, and I've read ever since. And I've stuck with him through the good times and the bad, including when Norman Osborn was revealed as Gwen Stacy's baby daddy. <laughs> Still sad about that one. <laughs> All right. Um, go to food. What is your all time favorite like meal or food? Oh, or pizza, one hundred percent. And if you're in a hurry for a great pizza, call. Uh, they don't pay me or anything. I wish they did. But uh, call Pizza Hut. Get the stuffed crust with extra sauce and extra cheese, and it feels feels like a thirty dollar pizza you might have paid for in a restaurant, or you know, forty with the tip. That sounds like a pizza for Colin. Totally agree. Yeah, there you uh, go. Extra sauce. Extra Hashtag. <laughs> yes. Hashtag grad school. <laughs> um, all-time favorite con or convention that you've been to? Oh, I've, I've got to plug the Geek Gathering. Those are my friends. Check out the Geek Gathering at Facebook. Um, okay. Geek Gathering, double Gs. <laughs> gotcha. And oh, let's see what could be the last one. Mm, all-time favorite children's book. Okay, say it again. I'm sorry. All-time favorite children's book. Dr. Seuss, The Giving. Oh, Street. the children's book. Can I say Goosebumps? Do you guys remember those by R.L. Stein? Oh yeah. Yep. They weren't children's per se. It was more you know younger, uh, I guess, youth fiction. But I, he was actually in my town this last week. And I did not go see him because I was sick. And I've been disappointed oh. about that. R.L. Stein and the Goosebumps books were my favorites. I wanted to get him to sign one of them and get a picture of me standing next to him with my book, too. That would have been a great photo op. <laughs> Probably with security <laughs> dragging me away, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's awesome. Well, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. And before uh, we say our goodbyes, uh, um, I would, I would, I would love for you to kind of plug, you know, where people can find you on social media, where people yes, can find you. Yes, all right. Anything else that you have going on with you? Thank you guys for having me on. I am currently on my blog book tour, and you can get all the updates at jsandlinwriter.com or at jsandlinwriter on Twitter and leave me a reply or retweet. Um, my book Outbreak Mutiny is on Amazon. In paperback and ebook, only for ninety nine cents an ebook. And uh, May thirteenth, uh, got a very exciting podcast with my friends at Geek Vibe Nations coming up. Um, I'll be a co guest talking about Outbreak Mutiny, and my co guest will be Cal Dodd, a uh, voice of Wolverine from the X Men animated series from the nineties. 
So that's on May 13th, uh, coming up about a week, uh, Saturday night. Check that out, and be sure to check out Outbreak Mutiny at uh, thenovelcomics.com or by going to Amazon. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Jay, again, thank you so much for coming on. I greatly appreciate you being here and talk with us about about your book, about you, and especially wrestling because, I mean, it's always fun to talk about that. We'll do it again for sure. Think of more. Uh, think of some more wrestling stuff we can talk about. I will. Maybe. Maybe I'll put together like some kind of wrestling trivia thing, or maybe even better, I'll have Joey and Colin create like a wrestling trivia game, and we could battle each other out for. Uh, that sounds like a plan. Oh and, yeah, uh, that sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Read yeah. some more of the book. Um, if you uh, it, it would be gold if you uh, just left a review on Amazon really quick, even if it's just based on the crap I've told you tonight. Oh yeah, definitely. I could do that. Thank you. It's still totally free to download um, all night and all day tomorrow. That's okay. why I didn't mention it because it's going to end tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Well, thank you for thank you for coming on. Uh, definitely would love to have you back on in the future. We'll do it. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll be okay. tweeting it out. Just make sure you uh, get me the link because I just went over ten thousand Twitter followers tonight. Nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. Woohoo. Yeah. All right. Got to go finish grad school. You guys have a good <laughs> night. Easy. You take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I like Jay. I like him too. Yeah, cool. Jay's dude. cool. Jay is cool. Um, his his uh, characters kind of creep me out, but I mean, they creep me out in a good way, not a not not a scary way in any way, but a good way. Uh, there's that. We'll definitely have him back on though. Because uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm just fucking still talking because you guys are not responding in any way, and I don't want an awkward silence to occur. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I know I, you guys. You could have gone out for hours there with the wrestling stuff. But... I kept trying to get a word in. Uh, every time I tried, I was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that means I, I mean that. Oh yeah, I could I could talk about wrestling forever with the guy, but like I was telling him, like. We're just storm coming in. The last thing I want to do is for us to uh, it's us to drop out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, without wasting any more time, uh, let's quickly jump into Colin's segment of the evening. <laughs> okay, let's get this done really quick. Uh, this is going to be a little bit longer. Uh, actually, I could skip some, so we'll jump around. Um, welcome back, everybody, to this freaking stand mine. We. This is our little segment where we go through each state of the United States and give a little bit of the facts. Last week, what state were we in? We were in the great state of Missouri. Um, we're going to kick this off this week with the great state of Montana. You know, that one state that you don't hear too much about. It's just up there in the states. I'd have nothing against it. I'd probably actually want to visit there. But um, let's get right into it. The great state of Montana has the largest migratory elk herd in the nation. Um, they also uh, boast the largest largest breeding population of trumpeter swans in the lower U.S. Um, at the Rocky Mountain Front Eagle Migration Area, west of the Great Falls, more golden eagles have been seen in a single day than anywhere else in the country. <coughs> Uh, north of Missoula is the largest uh, population of nesting common loons in the western U.S. And uh, the average square mile of land contains 1.4 elk, 1.4 pr- 
pronghorn antelope and 3.3 deer. Um, if you haven't been able to tell, Montana's got wildlife. That's pretty much all they got that I can think of. So <laughs> that's what a lot of these will be. Uh, the Freeze Out Lake Wildlife Management Area contains more than 300,000 snow geese and 10,000 tundra swans during migration. Uh, the At Bowdoin National Wildlife Refugee, if it is possible to see up to 1,700 nesting pelicans. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. uh, the Mon- Montana Yoga Sapphire is the only North American gem to be included in the crown jewels of England. Hmm. Uh, 46 out of 56 counties in Montana are considered frontier counties with an average population of six or fewer people per square mile. Uh, at Eagle or at Egg Mountain near Choteau, uh, dinosaur eggs have been discovered, supporting the theory that some dinosaurs were more like mammals and birds than reptiles. To me, that statement sounds reversed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that me? That just me or? No, uh, I don't know. Uh, birds are basically modern-day dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, that's true. Birds do, do lay eggs. But to say mammals, because mammals are known for not laying <laughs> Right. Yeah, that is weird. I'll give you that one. But uh, uh, Montana is the only state with a triple divide al- allowing water to flow into the Pacific, Atlantic, and Hudson Bay. The ph- this phenomenon occurs at Triple Divide Peak in Glacier National Park. I kind of find this one ironic. Um, the notorious outlaw Henry Plummer uh, built the first jail constructed in Slate. <laughs> uh, the moose, now numbering 8,000 in Montana, over 8,000, was thought to have be extinct in the Rockies south of Canada in the 1900s. Huh. Uh, yeah. It's weird. Uh, with Montana not having a lot of things taking up, it's a lot of land. Uh, Miles City is known as the cowboy capital. Yellowstone National Park is in southern Montana and northern Wyoming was the first national park in the U.S. Uh, Fishtail is named for either a Mr. Fishtail who lived in the area or as the area Indians prefer some of the peaks in the nearby Beartooth mountain range, which look like the tail of a fish. Uh, Montana has the largest grizzly bear population in the lower 48. Uh, the first luge run in North America was built at Lolo Hot Springs in, on Lolo Pass in 1965. Uh, Virginia City was founded in 1863 and is considered to be the most complete original town of its kind in the U.S. Uh, The density of the state is six people per square mile. Uh, The most visited place in 
Montana is Glacier National Park, known for the crown jewel of the continent. It lies along Montana's northern border and adjoins Waterton Lake National Park in Canada, forming the world's first international peace park. Buffalo in the wild can still be viewed at the National Bison Range in Mosey, uh, south of Flathead Lake and west of Mission Mountains. Uh, the Old West comes to life through the brush and sculpture of famed Western artist Charlie Russell uh, at the Charles M. Russell Museum Complex in Great Falls. The museum contains the world's largest collection of Russell's work, his original log cabin studio, and his Great Falls home. <coughs> the Museum of the Rockies in Bozeman gained fame through the work of its chief paleontologist, Jack Horner. Horner was the prototype for the character Dr. Alan Grant in the best novel selling movie. Anyone? Anyone? Uh, I have no idea, bro. Dr. Alan Grant. Jurassic Park. Yep. I was on mute again. Uh, Montana's rivers and streams provide water for three oceans, three of North American continents' major river basins. Oh, and three of North American continents' major major river basins. Um, Just south of Billings, Montana, uh, Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer and his troops made their last stand. Little Bighorn Battlefield National Monument features the Plains Indians and the U.S. military involved in this historic battle. Uh, Montana is home to seven Indian reservations. Um, Every spring, nearly 10,000 white pelicans with a wingspan of nine feet migrate from the Gulf of Mexico to Medicine Lake in northern, northeastern Montana. Uh, the going to the Sun Road in Glacier Park is considered one of the most scenic drives in America. Uh, in Montana, the number of or the elk, deer, and antelope populations outnumber the humans. <laughs> uh, Glacier National Park has 250 lakes within its boundary, boundaries. Yeah. Um, Hill County has the largest county park in the U.S. Uh, Beaver Creek Park measures 10 miles long and one mile wide. Um, And our final one, completing with the D River in Lincoln City, Oregon, for the the title of the world's shortest river, the Roe River flows near Great Falls, Montana, both rivers' lengths vary from 58 feet to 200 feet. The source for this small river is the Giant Spring, the fresh, largest freshwater spring in the U.S. So, with that in mind, thank you all for joining me with this week's This Frickin' State of Mind. Please come back next week and join us for our next date. Good job, Colin. Yep. Try to go quick. Like you always do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Joey, what you freaking on this week? Oh, I'm sure it's something. 
Probably the fact that Guardians uh, will have come out by the time that this episode airs. Oh, yes, Friday. And uh, with any luck, I'll have seen it. That'll be cool. (laughs) That'll be cool. How about you, Travis? What are you freaking on this week? Uh, Guardians. (laughs) (laughs) You you fucking took mine. Um... No, yeah, Guardians. I think it might be the first uh, movie I saw. I'm gonna, I'm going to see it in theaters. But it'll be the first movie I saw in uh, theaters. I think since um, Colin, what the fuck did we go see in theaters? Daredevil. Was it? No, no, Deadpool? not Daredevil. The Deadpool. Deadpool. <laughs> Daredevil. I've never <laughs> seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the first movie since Deadpool. I haven't been in the theater in a while. Actually, I haven't seen Doctor Strange yet. I haven't either. Yeah, I haven't. Maybe I'll see that. Maybe I'll fucking go watch that somewhere. That's on. That's on DVD, right? Yeah, I believe so. Should be. I know you I'm can get it at like the Red Box. Fuck Red Box. Yeah. So <laughs> that would be out there. Yeah. I'll the child check that out. But yeah, Guardians. Um, not not a whole lot, you know. It sucks, you know, when you're working nights and shit, you can't do much. But if it gets nice, I'll probably mow my yard. But other than that, yeah, Guardians. Colin, who are, you, uh, who are you freaking on this week? I'm freaking on this week that uh, I'm finishing up my class. I just have my final to take, and then I'm done for this semester. Good. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm um, Hey, Joey. Yes. Every week our listeners could catch Geekesh Joe here on this freaking show. But if they need more Geekcast show than the one hour we could offer them a week, what can they do? If you need more Geekcast show, you can find me over at the Geekcast Live podcast at gcl.ninja. You can also find us on Facebook, iTunes, Google Play, and Twitter by searching Geekcast Live. Nice. I forgot that uh, you are on Google Play now. We are officially on Google Play. And uh, I will also throw this out there. Uh, the uh, network, the Movie Podcast Network, will have launched by the time this uh, airs. What is the Movie Podcast Network? The uh, Movie Podcast Network is a uh, group of podcasts uh, who uh, are... Uh, mostly we talk about movie stuff. I, I don't know. I don't totally understand the concept if I'm honest uh but our our friend uh ryan ryan uh geekcast rye uh and his other podcast uh mpw uh the host of that show jason piles has a group of other podcasts i think there's like 10 different shows on the network and uh you can find out more about that at moviepodcast.network starting uh may 1st so like four days ago, as of uh, you people at home listening, hearing this. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Congrats to you guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good deal. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, gentlemen, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram just by searching this freaking show. Um, if you're listening to us, you have found us on either iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, or Stitcher. Keep in mind, I am starting up a second podcast called JFW Podcast, Just Freaking Wrestling. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter just by searching JFW Podcast. 
And uh, to close out tonight with another exceptional quote from my man, Will Rogers. Shit. I should find one that's better. <laughs> I was just for a second there hope, thinking that the quote was just going to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great quote. Let's see here. Uh, see, now I'm just like, why the fuck are all these political? I don't want to do a political one. Ah, uh, fuck it. I'm just going to randomly choose one. Okay. Personally, I've always felt that the best doctor in the world is a veterinarian. He can't ask his patients what is the matter. He just got to know. Nice. Excellent. As always, I am Travesty. I'm Aqua Cal. And I'm Geek Cast Joe. Thank you for listening to another episode of this freaking show. I'm up. <laughs>